You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. As we continue our series reboot, as we talked about over the last few weeks, this idea of restarting and pushing the power button and getting the glitches out of life or the control alt delete and restarting. And so we're, we're continuing that. But one of the things I want to kind of push pause in the midst of that. And one of the things that, that I struggle with sometimes as a pastor teacher is that sometimes it feels like I preach and we have three points and a poem and it's this nice, neat package so to speak, of a sermon and message, and you're supposed to take it and digest it, and it should just easily fit, right? Like, because you get this message, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. I know that you always say that. Good stuff. And then you go home, and it's like it's easy to apply. It's just this easy transition without the realization sometimes that life is messy. And so that the truths that are presented sometimes don't make our life easier. Many times they make our lives more difficult as we transition through the mess to get where God wants us to go on the other side of this. And so it makes it difficult. And we have that internal struggle. And so sometimes for me, like a message feels nice and neat, um, but doesn't necessarily feel that way on the other side when you're trying to wrestle and struggle. And so as I've been thinking about this, as we've dug into Matthew chapter 6, and what does it look like for us to realize that we're human, that we're not God, and that we're totally dependent upon Him, and that what are all of our backgrounds and, and thoughts of what prayer is and how all that plays out in our lives sometimes is, is, is difficult to, to think about. And so, in the chaos of our world this week, one of my good friends, y'all, we, we posted on Facebook, Timothy, who's a pastor in the Ukraine, to pray for them and also to, if you're so moved and can, to give financially to them. And so they're still there, okay? And so they're heavily praying, and they are totally dependent upon God to for their survival. And they're not thinking thriving. They're thinking truly survival. And so as a pastor of the Transformation Church in Vozinsk, uh, Ukraine, he is pastoring his people through this. And so it's, I mean, you think COVID and all the different things going on, and it's, that's where he's at in the midst of that. And so on Thursday, he sent me this video of, um, they're trying to feed the people. They have over 25 people in their basement right now. And so they're trying to feed the people in the basement of his house and, and others that are a part of his church and things going on. And so um, let's watch this short little clip so you can see um, I, just a little bit of the desperation of where they're at. Today, guys, simple bread. This is a miracle. Because no bread anymore so we, you can get somewhere. That's why God gave us several loaves of bread. We're so thankful to Him. God's so merciful to us. My friends, pray because today we expect battle. God gave us five loaves of bread. This is God's presence. Thank you, Him, for this. Five loaves. Pray for my daily bread. Man, that just 
rattled me. Oh, this is real life. These are people that we know and we have talked to that have been here in this building and they're in survival mode. And so what does it look like to pray in that? So that's what you see what I'm saying, like prayer, like pastoring in a context like this and, and being able to, to preach this and you go and wrestle with it and we wrestle with it. That's, that's cool and that's a part of life, but this is, this changes it. And so this is one more quick video. This is yesterday of their house and the surrounding houses in their neighborhood and what they're doing in the midst of everything. They're, again, they're staying in the basement. And so here we go. That's our neighborhood. Imagine coming out of your front door and that's your neighborhood. And so in light of that, I'm going to preach here in a little bit, maybe. But in light of that, can we just pray? Let's just not preach on it, but let's actually engage in it. And I think we have a fresh thing in front of us to pray for and to pray about. And the team's going to um, just sing some songs over us. But you, the altar's open. Wherever you're at, just take some time and just pray. And just seek the face. Because there are believers, there's churches in the Ukraine right now that are just begging God. And we want to join them and beg with them of safety and of food and all the stuff that they need. This is real life. It's not in our neighborhood, but it's in our friends. And so can we just do that with them? To know him and to be changed and transformed by him, to have peace that passes human understanding only comes through Christ alone. To be able to stand like our friend Pastor Timothy in the midst of what's going on and to say it is well with my soul. Whatever transpires here, it is well with my soul. The only way that that's humanly possible is to know and to be known by Christ alone. My prayer for you this morning is if you do not know and you cannot say it is well with my soul amidst the chaos and craziness of your own life, that Christ is the answer and the solution to that. And so I pray this morning that you would seek that out, seek someone from a leadership team or someone next to you and say, I want to be able to say it is well with my soul. Because life is happening and it will continue to happen. Even as followers of Jesus, life doesn't get easier. Many times it's more difficult. So as we get back to our so-called agenda for the day, we're in Matthew chapter 6. And again, Jesus has been doing ministry for a little bit with the disciples. And as he's been doing life with the disciples, one of the things that they've noticed about him is his prayer life is radically different than anyone else that they've been around or been with, and they see power, they see effectiveness, they see intimacy, they see dependence, even though he's God, they see a dependence upon him, upon the Father, that I don't know what's going to happen, the Father is about doing his business, I'm about doing his business, and so here we are, and the disciples ask this question of Jesus, and so let's dig in together, we have just a little bit of time, 
in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and following. It says, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. Now, some of you maybe grew up with debts or trespasses. It's an interesting word. That word trespasses or sins or debts, in the original, it was, it's debts. And to Jewish hearers, debts meant my sins, the things that I bring to me. So whenever they're talking about here in this passage, forgive us of our debts, the things that we owe unto God because of our misfailing. And so this idea with sin is that every time that we fall short of perfection, that is sin. So every time in life, when you pull back the arrow of your task or the arrows of what you do life with, every time you pull back and you aim and you shooting for the bullseye, anytime you don't hit the bullseye and you fall short of that, that is sin. And so therefore you then have a debt. So forgive us of our debts, those moments where we fall short of bullseye and perfection as we forgive those who sin against us. This is an interesting idea that this tension that we live in as followers of Christ. And so the first thing I want you to get is this, is that in our prayers, that Jesus says, is we've got to be honest. We, when we come before a holy God, we come before the King of kings and Lord of lords, when we enter in his presence, it should change our countenance and realize that we are not God and so therefore we need forgiveness and so there's an honesty that comes with that the honesty to know that hey I'm before a holy God and I fall so short of that and so in that we fall on our knees prostrate before him and say God you are God and here's who I am there's a vulnerability and honesty in that moment and coming before God. Because if that doesn't transpire in your heart and your mind, then you're worshiping a false God. You're bringing your God and praying to that. God, if you come before him in the holiness of who he is, you're going to have to find honesty and transparency and vulnerability um, in that. And I think that's one of the things that is fearful for us, that we're afraid of, is that when we come before God, is that if He we come before him totally transparent and naked, that he will see all the flaws. But if he's created you, he knows the, what we consider flaws already. And maybe what he wants us to do is to acknowledge them and to know that maybe they, they're there and they're not flaws, but they're uniqueness for us. And it allows us to, to lean into who he is and be more dependent upon him. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Why do we need to keep asking for forgiveness? If we've already been forgiven in Christ. And so I want you to get two big things here. One is there's positional forgiveness. In other words, that that moment that you say yes to Jesus, your position in the courtroom of God changes. You go from condemned, convicted to free. But not because of your own works, not because of what you've done, but because you've said yes to Jesus. So Jesus stands in your place and because the convict and convicted and condemned for you. So your position is changed. So when God, the holy God, looks upon you and sees you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus, the one who is free, and we find our freedom in that. So positionally, from the moment that we say yes to Jesus, we are always and forever free in him. Our position will never change because his 
what he did on the cross was sufficient to cover over our sins once and for all. It doesn't go back and forth, okay? So once you say yes and enter into a relationship, we're in covenant, and it never changes. We're always in covenant. Now, since we're now in relationship with him, this is why we have to continually go back to him and to confess, because anytime we do not reach perfection in our life, there's still a brokenness. And so it's this idea of there's a phone line that we have, and somewhere along the way, because we have broken the covenant, there's this kind of a crimp in the phone line. And this is something that in our soul that we recognize. This is why we run away from prayer. This is why we run away from scripture. This is why we run away from community. And the moments that we need it most is because of our sin. And so we innately in Christ know this and have experienced this, that we want to run away because of shame, guilt, all the different stuff. Like we don't want to come to daddy because we're like, daddy knows, right? So we can do whatever we want. We can put mask and makeup and put on cologne and perfume and try to smell good. But God's like, "Mm, I can see through that. And so we know that. So this is that relational forgiveness that we continually have to be coming before him and saying, listen, God, I have fallen short. Now, here's the part that's interesting for us is that in the positional forgiveness into the relational forgiveness is that we have to, in our relational forgiveness, continually come before him and be honest and be specific, which means we have to sit and to simmer sometimes in our stuff. So let me give you a verse for the relational uh, forgiveness and it's their positional forgiveness. And it's Romans chapter five, verse nine. It says this. And since we have been made right, we've been justified. So it's just as if I'd never sinned. You're in the courtroom of God. You've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's justification or condemnation. So therefore, you are justified just as if you'd never sinned because of what Christ did for you on the courtroom of God. So now you have positional forgiveness. You're once saved, always saved. You can't lose it. Now, as far as the relational forgiveness, John chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus replied, a person, now this is in the context of the Lord's Supper or communion, and Jesus is about to wash the feet of his disciples, okay? And so Jesus replied to Peter, he and Peter in conversation, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash. And so this is In hindsight, looking back, Jesus is talking about us saying yes to Jesus and the washing that we receive is the cleansing, being made holy. And we see that in the symbolic act of baptism, that whenever you say yes to Jesus, the first act of obedience is following through a baptism. And the one who was dead is now buried in the newness of life. There's a newness to you and you've been washed in the blood and your sins have been washed away. So bathe, whoever bathe does not need to wash again, except for the feet to be entirely clean. In other words, we're going to continue to do life. And especially in Jesus' day, and in Jesus' context, many people did not have sandals or shoes, and so they're walking around, even if they did have sandals, dust and dirt and poo and all kinds of things are in the road, and so their feet were dirty. And the same is true for us is that as we have said yes to Jesus, we've been cleaned in Him. We have positional forgiveness. However, life continues on. So as we walk the streets of life, the dust of life will come on to us. And so there are going to be daily moments before you sup with God that you've got to clean off your feet, because in those days, you didn't put your feet underneath the table and have nice shoes. Your feet, you were leaning, and your feet were in someone else's face and by their food. So you didn't want stanky feet, 
stand by your food. And so you can see the practicalness, but the spiritual component of this is you've got to get the stuff, the stench off so that you can sup at the table of God and have fellowship and have communion with him. This is why the lady put perfume on Jesus' feet. So this rich guy had let Jesus and his disciples sit at his table and didn't wash his feet. And so this lady comes in and she pours her years worth of money on him and with her tears and with her perfume is wiping him off. And Jesus says, listen, she has honored me because she has done the right thing. You didn't even honor me by doing the normal thing of washing feet to sit down at your table. You mocked me, actually, by not doing this. And so Jesus is saying to us, we're human. We're going to do stuff. Somebody's going to cut you off at H-E-B or wherever you do your stuff. And things are going to happen. And we're still forgiven in God. We still have a relationship. We still have a covenant. But because of the shame, the pain, as we sit and think about how we've harmed other people with our thoughts and with our words and with our actions, because people are created in the image of God, it breaks our relationship. With him, and so it distracts us. And so here Jesus is saying, listen, yes, you've been cleaned in him, but the stuff of life gets on your feet and you continually have to sit and say, God, listen, I've harmed so-and-so and and I said something about so-and-so and and I stole from so-and-so. So God wants an authentic confession from us. It's intentional. It's introspective. We have to sit and to think about the day and it needs to be specific where we understand that, that we've harmed people. So it's like, God, forgive me for cheating on this test. God, forgive me for talking about this person this way. God, forgive me for, which means us sitting in the presence of God and allowing those things through the day to kind of come to mind and to be there. Because listen, we're human, so we still lust after things. We still lie. We still talk about other people. We still do all of these things in our journey. That's the dust of life. As we pursue Jesus, the dust of life comes up. Even think about King David. A man who was after God's own heart, but was known as someone who abdicated his role as king and let others go off and do war for him. And in the midst of that, he was a voyeur, he was an adulterer, he was a murderer, he covered it up. And David was still after a man's God, after God's own heart. Why? Because his journey to forgiveness. Whenever it was brought to him, he regretted it. He was remorseful. And you can see that in Psalm chapter 51. And have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight and you've proved it right when what you say in your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. And here's repentance. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. 
Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and making me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for the shedding of blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Forgive me for the shedding of blood, O God who saves. Then I will sing joyfully of your forgiveness. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. In other words, he doesn't want just repetitive traditional actions. The sacrifice you desire is a broken and contrite spirit. You will not, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Repentance is an old word. And it's metanoia, and it means to walk in one direction and to recognize that that is the wrong direction. And at the moment that you recognize it's the wrong direction, to stop and to turn around and to go in the correct direction. And so what God wants from us, that there's going to be moments in life when we realize we are going down the wrong trail, and the moment that we recognize it, it becomes obvious to us to stop to turn around and to walk in the right direction, to seek his face and to seek his righteousness. And again, not perfection, but a broken and contrite heart. That here's a man who was King David who did all the things that he did and is known as a man who sought after the heart of God. So for us, what does it look like to forgive as others, forgive others as we have been forgiven? Jesus was asked the question, how many times should we forgive? And it was 70 times 7. And that wasn't all together. That was for one instance. So for one instance, 490 times forgive. How many of us can even keep up with the tally? I know some of us are really good. And like, no, we're going to tally. But even at some point, we're going to Jesus says, listen, just keep forgiving as I have forgiven you. That when he was on the cross and he gave his life for you, he didn't go this much or this much or this much. He went this much and gave 110% for you and I. And here's the interesting thing. is He knew it. He saw your sins and the weight of his sins was upon us. And he still said, we are worth it. So let's be honest. There's some people in our lives that annoy us. Great on us. That have hurt us and harmed us. And I mean have harmed us, have cut us deep, and have left deep wounds that I can't even fathom. And Jesus says, forgive. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a reunion or a restoration, but it does mean for us, we have to forgive. Listen, there's people in my life that I've had to offer forgiveness to that they don't even know that they've hurt me. And it wouldn't do any good to go talk to them about it because they wouldn't even recognize it. But there's still that stuff. We are a work in progress and a big part of the progress is we have got to continually be forgiving. There's a great story about Desmond Tutu, who was an archbishop in South Africa and a part of the apartheid. And as the apartheid was changing and became in leadership, one of the things that he said is he basically spoke for all the African-Americans, all the Africans uh, 
and uh, South Africans that were uh, black spoke for them. And he said, I offer forgiveness to all of you. The question is, are you going to forgive yourself? That's for us. To offer forgiveness, knowing we may not ever get anything back in return. Except the forgiveness of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, as we close out. They will be unloving and unforgiving. This is just a kind of a general statement that Paul is saying to Timothy. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love love pleasure rather than God. Sounds like a modern day, right? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. In other words, followers of Jesus, choose your friends wisely. But when your friends offend you, forgive Forgive, forgive. But recognize that that may not mean a reunion and restoration of friendship. But for us to offer forgiveness. As much as we receive from Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, we have been forgiven much. May we be forgivers like we have received. Father, I pray that even this week as we place ourselves before you in the quietness of our room, at our dinner tables, or wherever we spend some time alone with you in our car, wherever that may be, that we just sit before you and just maybe one by one, List off the ways that we have been forgiven and need to be forgiven. And in that spirit, may we offer forgiveness to those that have hurt us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.